This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm. Welcome to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler, and thank you for showing up today. On this episode, we have Anna, who is a narcissist abuse survivor, and we talked about her story. We talked about uh, a lot about codependency and her uh, view in the aftermath uh, of her experience with a narcissist. And it's an interesting, she has an interesting outlook on everything. Um, and everyone should uh, stick around to the end of this podcast to uh, listen to that take. We talked a lot about codependency and that will, that's, uh, uh, I think a lot of people can learn about what, what she's learned throughout the whole entire process. So without further ado, we will now, or I will now, uh, get right into Anna and her story. So thank you everyone for tuning in this week. Uh, for this episode, and we have Anna here with us. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hello. Fine. Thank you. How about you? I'm pretty good, and we got in touch over Instagram, and I learned a little bit of your story, and now I'm going to hear, as well as everyone else out there, uh, your whole entire story, and as I always say, I am now going to get out of your way. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, well, I'm really happy to, to be here on your show. Uh, for me, it's very important to be able to tell this story, uh, to contact other people who are going through the same that I went through, and so they can, you know, be aware that they're not alone, and that this happens to a lot of people, and that there's a lot of narcissists out there who they will have no regrets about putting you through so much pain only to get pleasure out of it so so thank you for inviting me um my story began a couple of years ago um this guy he's the cousin of a friend of mine and well i had just broken up from a previous relationship and i was kind of like heartbroken so he just like jumped into me i i was pretty clear about me just breaking up very recently and he was like but you're such a great girl and you're so nice and you're so smart and the love bombing phase began and he did everything in his hands to like make me realize he was such a gentleman you know like he really went out of his way uh with like demonstrations of affection and attention like details all the time so I was like well maybe I had to uh just break up the previous relationship so I could meet this guy because he's like really amazing you know Mm -hmm. um he was divorced he has a kid and I was okay with this because I thought like okay maybe so this guy's already got uh, great motivations in his life that will make him, you know, like progress because he wasn't going through his best moment, you know, like the thing with, with narcissists is that they're not, like they're always going through something, you know, or they just came out of this very complicated situation. So he was living in a, in a tiny studio. He had no space for his kid and that quickly evolved 
uh, into him moving with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I took off my studio and that turned, uh, into a kid's room for his daughter. So we were pretty involved already. And this happened like very fast. I'm talking like maybe six months. And like I said, okay, so suddenly I have a family, you know, I have this kid in my life and I have the man I always wanted. Like everything seemed so perfect. But the fact that he wasn't making, uh, that much money but for me that wasn't an issue because i was like doing pretty well so it was like okay just share what you've got you know mm -hmm. oh how old, how old was this child uh six years six old. years old okay yeah so we had a very special connection so i tried to be like not she she's got his her mother so i i said okay so i don't want to be a maternal figure so I'll just be a friend you know so everyone gets along and I and I actually became like uh close with the mom you know like we didn't become friends but every time we had to meet for something we were like nice to each other and she's a very nice woman like I had very hard time trying to put the picture together because you know he said like she's crazy she's mean she's just like super destructive person and i and i like share time with her and i wouldn't understand how like just wouldn't match you know the image i had in my head about her and the, the person i was like interacting with so at some point he started of course triangulating and blaming her for things he wasn't doing and that started to become some sort of a conflict you know because always uh like last time uh last minute change of plans like and she was like the mean one in the story you know mm -hmm. so i i started to grow a little bit resentful because i felt that all the money he was making was just like for her, you know, and I wasn't like getting help, like paying rent and stuff. So it, it started to get complicated. Then he started getting jealous out of nowhere uh, about my friends. Uh, and he started like implying I had romances with other friends and that there was something going on, of course, because you cannot be that close with a friend. Because, of course, since they don't have this kind of intimate relationships with friends because they are only using people mm -hmm. um they're not able to understand that you do connect with someone and that you do care for other people you know for them that's like you're trying to get something out of this person and probably that's sex because you know sex is the, the, like the ultimate priority for these guys mm -hmm. or for this for these people so um, as, as his jealousy increased, uh, violence started to appear in the relationship. He started like yelling at me, yelling at other people, like being super aggressive, like calling, calling other women, like, oh, those bitches, you know, like all women are bitches and saying stuff like that. And I'd be like, you don't have to, you know, express yourself like that about other women. So how, how long after, so you, he moved in, how long after did this behavior begin? So you, you, you the love bombing lasted, uh, six months, six months. And, that's, and as soon as we started living together, it all became a nightmare. 
Uh, so, so you probably thought to yourself, uh, who is this person at that point? No, I actually thought, okay, this is like a deeper stage of this rough patch he's going through. Okay. But when things uh, get better, he will get better. He started drinking a lot. And when we were just dating, he was like, no, I don't like to drink alcohol. I like to do like outdoor activities and sports. And I was like, okay, this is the kind of guy I want to date because mm -hmm. I love doing like that kind of activities. And slowly it turned out he just wanted to party. Like it didn't matter, you know, like weekends, weekdays. Um, and when I wasn't able to meet him because I had a job, a full-time job, uh, he'd get mad at me, you know, for not going out with him. So that started to become an issue. He was also jealous about, like, by this mo this point in the relationship, he was also jealous about my career and my job and my co-workers. Uh, he implied I had, uh, like, sex with friends of him. Like, I didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, why are you making these things up? It's like, no, I'm not making these things up. They told me, and it's like, no, they didn't tell you this because it's not true. And I know these guys because they were mutual friends, you know. So I, I, I became very confused because I, I didn't know what was real anymore. Mm -hmm. um, he stopped being the nice guy. We started going to, to couple therapy, and he managed to convince the therapist that I was a problem. You know, because this is the thing with, with narcs, mm -hmm. that they're able to portray this picture of someone who's like always the victim or always the hero, but never the one who's like causing the pain, you mm -hmm. know, like they're never the ground doers. So, so, so in, in those therapy sessions, he would dominate the, would you, would you call him out saying that he was uh, lying, except the, the therapist was just a bad therapist and not... Uh, and, and took and just took a side. It wasn't. It wasn't lying. It was manipulating the conversation, like in a way that, like, I wouldn't be able to do that. You know, it requires like a huge amount of skill mm -hmm. to just like put facts in certain way, and the way you say it, and the face you make when you say it, so you sound completely innocent and ob oblivious about what's actually going on. You know. So he so a, that, a, a a fantastic actor. Yeah, fantastic yeah. actor. And that would get me like that would blow my mind. Like I would get angry and I was the one who started yelling at some point in this therapy. It's like I was mad, you know, and I felt that I I wasn't I wasn't having any justice. So, so with, and, with with a witness there, uh he pressed your buttons to get you to react so the the therapist would he would say to the therapist see in a way and yes. be like and okay that yeah he yes. knew, yeah he knew what he was doing yes yeah, she's, she's crazy you know yeah. she's she's overreactive like she's got like so much emotion going on about you know I just didn't do anything um so so the that started happening actually on public places you know like we were at a party and he would just whisper something in my ear that would make me really uncomfortable and would make me want to leave uh right away and he'd be like oh why are you always ruining the fun you know we're having fun and now you want to leave and he's like you just say the meanest thing in my ear 
And he'd be like, no, you think it's mean, but I didn't mean that way. So I was like, you know, I, I stopped drinking alcohol when we went out because I was, I was like, I, I just don't want to be confused, you know? Like, so maybe I have a drinking problem. Maybe I am the problem. Maybe I am a mean person. And maybe, like, this is all because I am very insecure, like, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so at this point, uh, friends stopped inviting me to events and parties because it was, we were always fighting at this point. He started yelling at me in front of other people. And I would put up with so much, you know, like other friends would tell me like, we're, like, we don't know why you're just putting up with this bullshit, you know? Like, you don't need to. Like, he's treating you, like, really bad. Um, then he started flirting with other girls in front of me. And I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to control something. I just wanted to feel that I could manage this, that I could, like, make him notice that he was hurting me. And he always be super oblivious about this. Like, what? I wasn't doing anything. I'm just talking with this girl. And I'd be like, why do you always have to make new girlfriends every time we go out? Like, we've got a lot of friends. Like, why Why do you have to go and talk to this girl, super attractive, and that uh, you don't know her, you know? Like, instead of having time with the people you do know and that you care for, you mm-hmm. know? So, so, of course... Jealousy, like, was out of, like, all the time. I was just stalking. He's, like, checking on his Instagram account, see who he had liked. He, see who had liked his pictures, who he was following new after he went out on. It was just, like, out of control, you know? Yeah, so he he could do whatever he wanted, but if you ever just lived your normal life, he would... So he was projecting, in a way, uh, keeping you, uh, you know... Even though he... uh, I assume he ended up cheating. Yeah, well, he said... He said I was doing what he was actually doing, you know? So at some point, I started checking on his phone, and then I realized, like, he was exchanging photos with other girls and when i confronted him about it uh he said like you know what i at least they were they were nice lingerie for me and you don't even do that and you know what i did i just went and bought a lot of nice lingerie for him you know (laughs) to enjoy uh, and I started, like, sending him sexy pictures because I wanted, like, okay, so I'm not doing this. If I do this, I'll be able to get back what has been taken from me. Um, but he he never stopped texting other girls, making new friends. And we we started breaking up, like, regularly every every two months. He would break up with me. And I'd always managed, or I thought that it was me who was managing the situation. I'd always managed to make him make him come back to the relationship. Like, listen, here we have, we're building something. We're building a, a like a unique family. You've got this, I've got this. We can work this out. We love each other. We have so much in common that we should just make this work out, you know? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so we'll make another effort. But every time, every time he would come back, I'd get less 
unless, unless, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so by December last year, he wasn't, he was barely doing anything for the relationship. I was just doing all the emotional work. I was going to two different therapies. I was just like reading books about like self-improvement, like trying to work out about my insecurities. But, you know, the source of my insecurities was all the things he was doing outside of the relationship. Mm -hmm. So at some point he said like, okay, no more outsiders into this relationship. Like I just, I just was like, just cut it out with these girls, you know, why can't you do it? Like, what are you missing? Like we have fantastic connection. We have fun. We have great sex. You said you never had this connection with no one. I am the love of your life. You're so happy we met. Like, why can't you just like cut this girl out? these girls out and he was like okay i'll do it uh and we had a couple of good months we had our anniversary we went on a vacation you know this honeymoon phase after after we were like so broken up so it seems that we were finally gonna make it and we're having like a very bright moment in the relationship and suddenly um so we went to a party. Like my therapist said, like, why do you keep going to events where you know there will be alcohol if he is always getting drunk? Like you should starting, start avoiding uh, these kind of situations. And it was like, okay, so, so I stopped going out. And we mostly only went out to his events, you know, things of his family and his friends. Mm-hmm. Was, he, was he an alcoholic? And, yeah, he's an alcoholic yeah. who's not in not, not in in rehab, yeah. and he's never like he's never admitted that he's got a drinking problem. Um, and the therapist said, like, this is a very bad therapist. Like the couple therapists we were uh, seeing, she was like, she'd tell me, but not him. Like, okay, everything that you're complaining about is because you're dealing with an alcoholic, and I'd be like, okay, why why don't you help him? face that and get help and she'd be like because i don't think alcoholics change and that's just the way they are and i get bored trying to help these kind of people like that's that, not that's what, what i your do you know said, that's what your therapist said yes okay yes. yeah yes i, so I get point, i get bored i've uh i guess she she was on or he was honest you know yes. you rarely get that but you know not a great therapist i'll stop i know i Sorry, I interrupted. Go back to what you were saying. Yeah. So, yeah, she was a very bad therapist. So I stopped seeing her and I started, like, I found a new therapist who who actually helped me out a lot. Um, and she's been, like, an angular stone in my recovery because she she's, she's the one who approached and said, like, listen, like, you're you're actually very damaged and i think you should start a 12 step recovery program for mm-hmm. codependency because you're actually pretty fucked up you know yeah uh, um so so we were at this party and he's very drunk he handles me his phone and he says like could you get an uber cuz i'm not able to get one cuz i'm so drunk mm-hmm. And the moment I touch the phone, like five or six different messages come through from 
from different numbers. Some some numbers were saved on the contact list, some others weren't. And they were all pretty heated up. Like, you know, like, oh, my mind is blowing just thinking about you and stuff like that. So I'd be like, okay, so I cannot ignore this signal. Like, it just happened when I fucking touched the phone. So I was like, okay, I'll open it. And he was just sexting with five, six different girls. Um, deleted conversations that would just start from the middle of something that you weren't able to completely understand what it was. So I made the mistake of confronting him uh, at the moment, and he was drunk, so it, it quickly escalated and became very violent. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said he wanted to go to his studio, and he wanted to think about it, and he was pretty mad at me. So, so I tried to talk to him over the weekend, and he was completely avoidant towards me and I even showed up at his, at his place like okay let's have this conversation you know like I don't have a problem that you're having affairs because I do understand that right now we're kind of you know like not in not in the best shape even though I thought we were going through a bright uh, spot in the relationship you know mm-hmm. I was like saying we weren't in order to negotiate uh him not, you know, like not breaking up with me. So he was like, no, no, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I'm not going to let you just standing on the street because I'm not that kind of guy. I'll let you come through, but uh, I'll let you come in, but I just don't want to talk about this. So we watched movies like everything was okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hate that. So, so I left. Um and Monday morning, he sent me a text message. And he just said, like, Anna, I don't love you anymore. I don't even want to talk about this. I'm super tired. I'm done. And my whole world collapsed at that moment. You know, like, we had, we had so many plans. We had bought plane tickets for a vacation uh, to celebrate our anniversary. We had, you know, like... We had a reservation for New Year's Eve. Uh, we had my birthday coming. We had like a lot of things that were planned ahead. And I do realize that was my way of, you know, if, if you make so many plans forward, like he's not going to leave me because mm-hmm. we still have to, this trip and this wedding and this special moment and tickets for that concert. And I've paid for all these things, you know, like it was like, bribes I was putting into the relationship in order to to be able to keep him mm-hmm. with me. So I got a bunch uh, I got a bunch of questions before you continue. Yeah. Um around that. So first thing I just want to ask uh because we haven't heard about it in a while. Uh where was the daughter uh in all of this and um did you ever ask questions to uh, his ex-wife? No, I never had like the that level of intimacy mm-hmm. to, you know, make like question him about question her about their marriage. Uh, but I had heard from from mutual friends that he was actually very bad with her during their marriage. And she never she never um, she never made any insinuation or 
uh, anything uh, along those lines. Uh, because, because I, you know, she has a, a daughter with this man. How often was the daughter with you guys? Uh, she'd come visit every two weeks for the whole weekend. And then the mom will, would travel a lot. So we'd keep her for like whole weeks at some point. And did he ever give her any trouble? Did he ever give the ex-wife trouble about uh, the care for the child? Or did she ever voice concerns about the, how the child was yeah. being cared for? Uh, well, like the only thing the kid ate when she was with us was pizza. Because mm-hmm. he wasn't like making an effort like... You know, you have to negotiate with kids, like you have to eat your food, whatever. So the kid already knew that there were no rules at home. Mm -hmm. She could do whatever she wanted. Um, So she would only eat pizza, like for breakfast and whatever. I was super against this, but this is not my kid. And I'm not the one who has to educate her. And he'd be like, okay, so she lives the whole week at her mom's. Mm -hmm. And she eats okay there. So it's okay for two straight days she only eats pizza it's there's no big issue with that but it's not like he was a narcissist that was gonna that was being vindictive to um his previous wife well i think he was letting the kid uh live in a no rules space yeah because she had so many rules at home that he was like just proving like okay you know what when the kid's here she's not going to follow any orders he was good guy yeah, he, he was, was a he good was, guy. He was a good cop, you know? okay. Yeah. And, well, it was, yeah, it was very complicated for me because I, I wanted to say a lot of things because I do have an idea about what you shouldn't, you should and you shouldn't do when you're in a relationship and when you're taking care of a kid and when you're educating, like, a little one. Mm-hmm. So, but I had to, like avoid saying things because he'd get absolutely mad and he'd be like, don't mess with my kid, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, okay, so I won't get my nose into that. Um, And yeah, well, they, the ex-wife and him, they had a lot of problems. They would argue about money all the time because she had like a very lavish lifestyle and he would just, just like give the bare minimum. Um, but she got married again very soon after they got divorced mm-hmm. to a very wealthy men. So she didn't actually need the money. She was just pushing him mm-hmm. to do it. And he was just like not giving in. So it was a power struggle about money constantly with, between them. So if we'd gone to vacation after we came back, she'd be like, so now you got to pay more because you do have money for vacations. And it was like, no, it's me who's paying, you know, it's not him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one who's got a job and is paying for the bills and for the vacations, it's me. It's not him. Uh, so that would uh, translate into him being able to put less and less and less money into our house every time. Ah, okay. So that was very complicated. It was like, okay, we'll go to, we'll go on a trip, but I know that I'll get into debt, and when I come back, he's gonna get like the bill raised about the the allowance or the you know like money he had to give her every month. And since so, you weren't really talking to her 
uh, it's possible that 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 might not have been true and that he was just keeping that for himself and making you pay more. No, no? I don't like you could tell he didn't have money because uh, okay. he wasn't spending in other stuff either. You know, he, okay. he didn't. He became super neglective about clothing. All his clothing was like old and pretty by shape. Shoes, the car, like everything was just kind of, you know, falling apart. Mm -hmm. And you'd see it physically. He started gaining a lot of weight and not shaving and not bathing. And he was, I was like, okay, so this is a deeper uh, state of that very rough patch that he's going through. But if I'm a very good wife, I'll be able to get him out of it. Okay. You know, yeah. so he won't be depressed anymore. And maybe if you stop drinking a little bit and so you, in, in, in a way you were a, going back to the, you're now you're doing the codependency and going to uh, CODA, the codependent anonymous, um, that uh, part of you in this situation, because a lot of people out there might not understand of why you stayed this long or... Because uh, I wanted to help. Yeah, you wanted course. to help. That the, the, the codependency person in you, besides being trauma bonded uh, from the love bombing phase, that there was this codependent part of you that uh, took over. Yeah, you know, I always say this and I laugh a little bit. Uh, I, I, I didn't want to change him, you mm -hmm. know. I just wanted him to be the guy I had met the first six months. Like, I wanted him to go back to what he showed me at the beginning of the relationship. Because you, if you're able to put that on, that show on for six months, that means you do have that in you, you know? You're able to do it. You're able to, to commit. You're able to share. You're able to care. You're able to... So it was like, how come you stopped doing it? Like, what changed, you know? Like, he did change, but for worse. Um, and I just wanted to get back the sweet guy I had just met, you know, at the beginning of the relationship because that was the love of my life. Like, that was the perfect guy for me. Like, he portrayed, like, everything I w had always wanted um, in a guy. Like, he had it, you know? Like, check, 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 check. He was just perfect. Hmm. And suddenly it turned out that it wasn't the case at all. And he was like almost the exact opposite of what he said he was. And that was like, I thought, okay, so he, he sells that he's this guy. He wants to be this guy. So maybe if I help him, he'll be able to get there, you know, because he also wants this. So, yeah, I, I tried to, I, I put so much into it, you know, like money, energy, emotions. I was just like, I can take it. I can take it because I'm so strong. Like, I'm the strong one, of course. And this is all because he's soft on the inside and he's been hurt. And if I give him the love that he didn't got when he was growing up, maybe he'll be able to, you know, just let himself go and unwind a little bit. Because for me, it was like, it was all related, you know? It was stress because of my money. So his personal image was going down. So he wasn't getting more projects. So if I started, it was like a domino effect. And I thought, okay, if I help him paint the chips again, maybe he'll be able to, to play different next time. Mm -hmm. But it's not about 
the chips, you know, it's about the moves. And it, it's almost like these people, they're, they're like, if you read a book about narcissism or codependency, like, you know, it's all a playbook. It's all there. Like, you don't realize how you're doing the exact moves that have been analyzed over and over and over and over. So, so it's very predictive if you know how the disease works. Mm-hmm. All the moves are very predictive. So you, your therapist uh, was the one that pointed out that you were a codependent person? Well, the first therapist was the first one to point that out. And she gave me a lot of books to read about that. That actually helped because I started working on my codependency. Mm-hmm. Like I started saying like, okay, I can't make him do things. I can only be responsible for myself. And that's what I started doing. And you know what? That just worsened the situation <laughs> because he started getting less attention from me. You know, I wasn't there pushing him all the time. Deep down, there's a part of him that, that wanted this, that wanted me to nag him around to get things on. Well, I wrote down here while we were talking because uh, I was listening to you and, and I just wrote down, um, he wants this relationship, but he doesn't want to do any of the work. He wants you to do That's a, a, it. all of it. He likes yes. the idea of being a better person, it sounds like. He likes the idea and the visual of what he would become, but he doesn't want to do any of the work to get there. He just wants to be, sounds like he just wants to be carried along um, there to do it. Like, in a way, he well, sounds like a spoiled child. Of course. Yeah. That's. That, that describes it perfectly, but yeah. all the time, like, yes, that's true, but also all the time he's cheating. Yes. He's not only not doing the work, he's also damaging the relationship yeah. with, his ha- with his actions, you know? So, so I, I was like super, like I was left in a void Christmas was coming too, you know. So I had I had a pretty bad December. Actually, I'm very, love, uh, very um, happy, <laughs> like the way the the things have been playing for me this year. Because for me, it was like, you know, uh, December was super dark. And then January was an absolute rebirth for me because I changed therapist. I already knew I was a codependent person. But but I hadn't gotten any actual help to to sort this out. So my therapist, my new therapist, was like, you know why? Uh, it's okay. You can keep coming back and talk about your ex as much as you want, but that's not where the real work is, and that's not going to solve anything. You have to actually go to a codependent uh, group therapy. Uh, so you have to work the steps, but you and I, we're going to, we're going to work on your childhood and your childhood trauma. And that's where I found where the real work was, you know, like working the steps, just like working on myself and trying to figure out what was it in my childhood that made me so vulnerable to this kind of people because of course this wasn't the first narcissistic guy i had dated you know mm-hmm. this was just like the worst <laughs> yeah and that was my rock bottom yeah and that's where my recovery started 
So it's kind of not many people will get this. Uh, you have to really, really like become very mature about it to say what I'm going to say. But right now, I'm very thankful for what I went through because if I hadn't hit rock bottom, I wouldn't have able to realize how much help I needed and how much I needed to heal things that had happened in my childhood. So right now I'm very grateful for that, you know, like So did like, it did it repair other parts of your life and relationships with other people or no? Uh yes, well I'm 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 healing like my relationship with my mom, my relationship with my dad, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out how I can heal that on myself mm-hmm. too. So if I ever have kids, I don't do it play to them. all this violence on this trauma I, I was going through when I was a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel for me this is a chance to change my family story. And I'm very grateful for that. Because now I'm able to to see what's going on, and by going to to therapy, I also learned that my mom and I wasn't able to see that before until my therapist pointed it out. My mom was narcissistic too, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had always tried to prove to this kind of profile that I was worth it, that I could do it, that I was strong, that I was, like, caring and loving, and I was worth being loved. So I was trying to, you know, like, fill the void from the maternal love I didn't have while growing up, trying to get these narcissistic people to love me. Because in an unconscious way, I was just, like, trying to fix my childhood that way. And that's not how it works, you know. Now I realize I have to to be with a healthy person. But for me, healthy would just mean boring, you know. Yeah. Like I needed, like I needed these adrenaline rushes uh-huh. in my life. I know. I've gone through the same process. And um, the word boring is the number one word I would always use. When yes. I meet a healthy person, I'm like, boring. And yes, then, I would, the then I would choose the wrong person. Yes, where is the adrenaline? And the thing is that I, my addiction to adrenaline, and that this started since I was a kid. Uh, obviously, I'm into extreme sports, and I ride motorbikes, and I love speed, and I love height, and I, you know, like, and my profession is very high demanding because I need the rush, otherwise I get bored, and this is very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this adrenaline addiction, when we finally broke up, um, I I faced a very 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 hard withdrawal symptom stage. I would I would have nausea in the mornings. I would shiver. I would, you know, just like have like mental blocks and anxiety attacks, attacks. And my therapist, and and this is very important. And I think that people really has to be aware that you get addicted to this substance, and you get addicted to this person. This person becomes your substance, and that withdrawal symptom is 
the exact same things a heroin addict goes through when they quit shooting up. Mm -hmm. So I would shoot up myself with this guy, you know. So I was always craving for his voice, his contact, and just like, you know, it's the thing that happens with violence victims. Uh, they're so neglected that when they hit, they get hit, that substitutes contact mm -hmm. and they get addicted because that's the only way they're able to be seen and touched by the violent person. So it's, it's very twisted how it works. It's, it's very dangerous how your brain and your body gets addicted to these rushes mm -hmm. And I think that was the, the roughest part because I knew that if we only spoke over the phone, I would get better. You know, those symptoms could go just simply disappear. So, but your body got your your so that your body uh, became part of the equation. And um, if it, uh, I, I'm also an addict, or you know, have my addiction problems, so I know your your body craves it. And there's no, once, once it's in you, it takes a lot of time to try and get out of, out of you. Um, but when your body wants something, your body tells you. And then your brain can't stop it sometimes. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it was like it, my whole body was, was just screaming to get him back. And it was like I was conscious that I didn't need him in my life anymore and that I was worth much more than, than I was getting. But I didn't want to feel sick. I didn't want to wake up every day feeling like I had to puke. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to feel this anxiety. Like I, I am an anxious person, of course, but this level of anxiety was just like, too much i've never had that you know like you can't breathe you do think you're gonna like just faint because you're not able to put air into your lungs and you try and you start crying and you just look so ridiculous and you feel so absurd that you're not able to control your body functions and you know like i wasn't able to eat i've tried to but the moment I put food in my mouth I had to throw up mm -hmm. so so I lost a lot of weight um I actually didn't want to go spend Christmas with my family I was like I don't want them to look at me like this but there was this other part that was just like but you do need you know like if you go home your mom is going to take care of you and then I was like that's it of course so I'm I'm putting myself through all of this because I know if my mom sees me so bad, she's going to pick me up. Mm -hmm. Finally, you know? So, so it's more, much more complex that, than you realize. There are much, much factors involved that it all comes down to your childhood. In the end, it's all about what happened when you were a kid and who was there and who wasn't and the way they were present or not in your life. Uh, and that teaches you a lot about how you love, how you, how you ask for attention and things you're able to do or to force yourself into doing uh, just to feel safe.
because mm-hmm. you never felt safe, actually, or, or, or that's my specific case. Like, I, I, I didn't have a safe childhood, so, so I'm very used into being unsafe mm-hmm. and unloved and un, not cared for, you know? And since you've been in CODA, um, the Codependency Anonymous, um, being around other people and sharing your stories with them, uh, how has that furthered you uh, past whatever you've uh, learned in therapy? Okay, so regular people won't get it. Like, I would, I would explain this to my friends, and they'd be like, just leave him. <laughs> You're not understanding. I can't, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to save him. Uh, why don't you just dump him? Like, stop being sad. Like, stop trying to control. Stop. And it's not that simple. So when you get to to a program and you go to group therapy, you are able to bond with people that are going through or have gone through the same things that you've experienced. In that level of empathy, you're not able to find that anywhere else. Because this is people who, who, who you tell them your story and they're like, I understand what you're going through. I've felt that before. I know that. And I'm glad that you were able to get out after two years of relationship because I've been married for 15 years with a guy like that, you know, or I have two kids with a woman like that. So for me, it was like an alert that I had to heal because I had to break this pattern. So I'm finally able to have healthy relationships and... I've tried dating again. Again, um, I, it's been six months since since I started my recovery. I know I should wait longer, mm-hmm. but you know, there's this part of me who says, like, you know what? I'm in my thirties, uh, clock ticking. Uh, I'm living like my best years now. Of course, this is false, you know. But my mind, my mind, and my heart feel this this way. Uh, so I should just put myself out there and find another partner. But of course, what has happened is that the only persons, uh, the only people who have caught my attention are, of course, narcissistic people mm-hmm. that that I don't find boring, you know. So I still have a lot of healing to do, uh, and I should honor my recovery process. Uh, so I'm able to to rewire because you're able to rewire your, your, your brain uh, process and the way you think and the way you feel. You're able to change that. You're able to heal that in such a deep way that you don't have to repeat this all over again and again and again and again. So that's what I'm trying to do right now, just like realizing where my patterns are and how to break them mm-hmm. so I don't have to go through this ever again. Yeah, uh, it's uh, part of it. I mean, you're you are now uh, hyper aware, probably, of every uh, little thing you do, yes, uh, and your actions and reactions to uh, people. Are you overly uh, tough on yourself now? Is that uh, an issue for you, or are you easy or gentle on yourself when going through this process? Well, actually, that's one of the 
of the beautiful things uh, when you're working with a 12-step a program. You learn how to be softer and easier with yourself mm -hmm. because usually what happens is that you're so demanding and 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 you put yourself through so much because you're able to endure that, you know? So you just like... I've always felt that I'm this high-resistant person, so I'm able to put up with a lot of things, so I'll just do it for other people to have it easier because people's not as strong as I am, mm -hmm. you know? And what I've learned is that I don't have to be that strong. I can, I can allow myself to just stop what I'm doing and, you know, rethink if I really want to do it and learn how to say no and learn how to not get myself into situations where I know there will be emotional damage involved, you know? Mm -hmm. So now I'm, I'm, I'm learning to do things that, that I should have learned when I was a kid, you know, but, but, but I wasn't, I wasn't taught that mm -hmm. it wasn't the way I was brought up. So now I'm doing the emotional work of a six-year-old. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> and what? You know what? I, it feels so good, like, you know, to allow myself to, like, like tell to my boss, you know, why I have a mental, I have to take a day off for mental care. And, well, of course, I, I, I'm blessed because I have a, a job where they're being, like, super supportive. Uh, uh, with my whole process and I'm able to to verbalize what I'm going through and instead of just you know avoiding myself and this whole process uh, with a lot of work and jobs and tasks that's what I would usually do now I'm able to stop and rest and say you know guys I really need a break I really need to take some time off I really need to go to therapy, so I have to leave early. I have to take care of myself. And I'm learning to do that instead of wanting to take care of everyone else in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's just so fulfilling. And it's just, you know, it feels, feels good. You, Finally, get, you, you, you get to be you for the first time. Yes. Yes, it, and I, I get to say no, and that's the most important thing for me. You know, like I'm learning how to say no. I'm, I'm to things a, I don't want in my life right now. I'm a fan of this thing called the uh, Enneagram, and I'm I'm trying to bring it more into the show. I'll eventually uh, do it in, in later episodes. Uh, and the Enneagram is a personality test uh, where there's nine levels of health. I've I've talked about it on the show before. I think I have. And uh, at first, I was trying to peg. Uh, people as well what uh what level is a narcissist are they like uh, what number are they in this level and after a while i realized that you shouldn't be pegging the narcissist uh in any of these levels a narcissist can be any one of these people ha uh, what i started to realize though is there's like a few numbers in there three of the nine which are uh which would be i consider probably to be codependent people and uh, you, uh, I think, sound, uh, if you were to ever read the Enneagram and take the test, you would be, in my opinion, I'm taking a guess, you would be a number six, which is my number, uh, because it sounds like you do things for other people, not because you want to all the time, but because maybe you're expected to. 
Um, yes. And you kind of take on the personality of whoever you're with, in a sense. You're with this friend, yes. you can take on this thing, and you're this type of person, and, and in this type of situation, and you never really give anyone trouble, and you're just like the perfect person to hang out with because you, you're not going to ask questions and people can forget whatever else is going on in their life because you're just you're this rock solid person to be with yes of course that's that you describes me perfectly yeah, <laughs> of course. yes of course uh, that would be me that yeah so <laughs> it's uh that that specific personality type it, we're a chameleon in a way um we're, we're, we grew up in a way that we're pleasing so many people all the time that we lose our identity of who we actually are. And it's yes. now, now that we're older, we have to find out who we are. And what you like and, and what, what you don't. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That, that's how these six months have been for me. And it's all about falling in love with, with yourself and learning a lot of self-respect and boundaries, you know, that's, that's like, that would be my number one recommendation and like the top benefit I've gotten out of this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause this will all go back to back to your childhood for people like us who are, are codependent. Um, you know, when you, I guess you didn't realize until uh, last year that you had a family or that your mother was uh, narcissistic I and, had no idea. Yeah, and that the role you did you have siblings? Yes, a younger you, one. You a younger one. So you, whatever role you took on, uh, I'm going to assume you were a, a voiceless child that you didn't rock the boat. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's kind of that served you then and then now later on in life it didn't serve you anymore. It it hindered you. But uh um, Yes. So I'm able to, to, to get myself out of survival mode now, mm-hmm. you know, and there's so much peace into doing that and finally be able to live your best life, even if that implies a lot of tears, you know, mm-hmm. but, but you do see the rewards very quickly if you commit yourself into just working and doing it and just facing the hard truths that you've been avoiding all this time. Mm-hmm. So you've done, a, you've done a, a lot of work in... Uh, so when did the relationship end? Sorry? When did your relationship end? In January? Uh, December. In December. So I guess in the last year, you've had like a crash course in, um, in you, in a yes. sense. Yes. Yes, so, and, and finally getting to meet my real self, you yeah. know? So do you feel alive for the first time in your life in a way? I think I've always felt alive, you know, but always very stressed about what had just happened or what was going to happen next. And right now I'm just enjoying being very present mm-hmm. at the moment and like experiencing like every little detail into my reality, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was never a dr- depressive person. Um, and I've always been like very active and loving and caring. And I've always enjoyed a lot of experiences and emotions, but being present is something that, 
I wasn't used to because I was always trying to run backwards or forward, trying to escape what was actually going through, you know. So do you allow yourself to be depressed now? Um, well, I haven't been depressed. Okay. Because, I, I, I'm, you know, I've been up with this whole process. That So I know that I'm going to get better and better and better and better. And I'm going to be completely honest. My rock bottom wasn't as hard as I know it has been for other people. Mm-hmm. So I was able to solve everything. You know, I didn't lose my house. I didn't lose my kids. I didn't lose my job. I was able to keep uh, my financial stability and safety. And I was like, I was on a level that worse things were to follow, of course. But I was able to get out at a safe point for me. Mm-hmm. So, so... My rock bottom wasn't as hard as it was for other people. And I'm not comparing myself, but thing is that I'm able to be grateful for many things. And that avoids getting anywhere near being depressed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still sad that I put myself through so much. And I wish I would have learned this earlier so I could get out sooner. Uh, and, of course, my ego is hurt that you know how come you didn't love me how come you didn't feel so much for me as I did for you and of course I I feel jealous about the new supplies you know that now the, this narcissistic person's guy so in just his life. Uh, just so everyone understands who uh, doesn't know uh, narcissist talk a supply is uh, a, a new girlfriend or a new friend that they feed their ego off of and they use them, you know, yeah. to, you know, smother them in your face and, and trying to get more reactions because that's what, that's what feeds them, mm-hmm. you know, like provoking people to react at what he, they do. So, so now he's dating um, other people and I get to hear about this because we still have a lot of friends in common uh-huh. and he's playing the victim. This is, this is very interesting. He's the, he goes around telling the story that I broke up with him and that he's very depressed and that this is the roughest uh, thing that he's gone through. Um, and it's like he's, I feel as if he's taking my right to, to be the victim. I don't want to be the victim, but I was, you know? And he's he's flipped he's it around on you. that from me. I felt I, I felt the exact same way, and I was so angry. I was like, "No, this is my time. This was, like, yes. you, know, you know what I mean. This is my thing. This is my time. This is was this thing that I did that happened right here. This was about me and taking my power back. And in that, it was stolen back again. Yes. So I. I resign to the idea that I have to, you know, that justice has to be done. And that was one of the hardest parts. Mm-hmm. Um, realizing that I wasn't going to get any closure, that the final conversation wasn't going to happen, that he's going to play the role of a victim. So people think that I was the main one who broke up with him days before Christmas. Um but you know what? I don't care. Like I, right now, 
I realize people, you can't control what people think about you. And at some point, people are going to realize who I am, you know? Not now, not, not tomorrow, maybe it's a year. But next time he destroys another strong, independent, uh, successful woman, um, you know, like they'll, people, they'll see the pattern. Yeah. And they'll know. They, they, they're, they're starting to see the pattern already. Mm-hmm. And well, it's, I, I don't care anymore about that. You know, it's like my well being is the most important thing for me. So I have no FOMO, you know, fear of missing out anymore whenever I miss a party that I know he'll be attending or an event. Because I know I'm doing the right thing. And that gets most of the bad feeling out of it. Like, I stay home and I know that's self-care, you know? Yeah. I don't get depressed. I don't focus into, oh, I really wanted to go to this birthday party. It's like, I know I am avoiding uh, getting hurt, you know? Because he will get drunk. And he will do things to 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 get my attention, and I don't just I don't want to have that in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. I really wish um, that I'm able to be in the same room with him because this is going to keep happening, you know, because you know our social circle, you know, it's just like how it goes. Mm-hmm. But I want to be able to be in the same room and just not pretend that I'm okay, but just actually be okay with him. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to finally get to a point where all this empathy that I have, um, transforms into just like, you know, being sorry for him because actually he's the one who's trapped living with him. Like, the rest of us, we can't escape. <laughs> we yes. can't get out. Yeah. We can avoid. We can break up. You, you, you can have no contact. But he is trapped in his life and in this prison that he's built for himself full of rage and jealousy. And, well, I hope... I know narcissists don't change and that they barely never become aware of this. But but I I, I hope... God would, you know, just help him transform this and that he could heal. Because because my other wish right now is that everyone could heal, you know, work, whatever is not going okay in their lives and and have, you know, the courage to face it and say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do the emotional work. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to stop repeating my patterns. Um, because it's super tiring to repeat your story all over again every time, you know. Mm-hmm. Because deep down you know it's going to fail. Because it's failed so many times that you're, you know this is going to fail again. It probably Unless ta- you start t- doing things differently. It probably takes around, I think it was maybe like my, my fourth time of, uh, it actually, I, after about my fourth time of seeing the same pattern over and over again when it came to relationships, I realized, oh, I have a problem. 
and I went yes. to go do something about it. And then uh, after I went to do something about it, I thought I was, you know, I was on the right path. I knew what to do. And then it took me, like, it took me an even longer time <laughs> Yes, to, of course. That's uh, after part. that, like, you know, I, I tested the waters. I, then I test, like I tested, uh, you know, at first it was a kleptomaniac. <laughs> I started okay. dating and I, cause it was exciting. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Uh, that's how this person kind of lives. And then I went boring and boring. I tried, I tried really, really hard to be in boring and uh, it didn't work. And then immediately after that, I went and found someone that was an extreme, uh, extremely wrong, who was a friend of mine already. And um, I thought that I didn't realize that, that my friend was uh, as terrible as I found out. And uh, that turned in, I, then I became an addict. And I, I was always an addict, but um, it took me all that time to finally uh, get it out of my system. So I'd been working on it for a long I stumbled a lot. Um, yes. And, uh, but, you know, picked myself back up. But the one that was the extreme uh, narcissist, uh, it took me a long time to uh, get over it. And I, I mean, I just went to my first codependent anonymous meeting two weeks ago for my first time. Okay, congratulations. Uh, thank you. And, uh, but it took, like, I went through a bunch of different therapists, uh, like a, a thing called the Hoppen Process and uh, a, a coaching program to understand myself and understand others. And, you know, it took a long time for me to get here. So whoever is out there and is struggling and is, is, is working and working and working, you're going to fall down. Hopefully you don't fall down, but you're going to fall down uh, possibly just like any addict of sorts and uh, you just dust yourself up off and, you know, try to get back on and, and do the right thing again. Yes. You've got to be gentle on yourself uh, and you got to work the steps, you know, yeah. like just realize that you're not able to going to solve this on your own because you haven't been able to do this until now. Mm-hmm. So why would it be different? You know, you have to recognize that you do need help. And that is just like the first step and the hardest one. Once you do that, everything starts just flowing, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for coming on the show and telling telling your story. Thank you. uh, For a lot of people out there don't even know that they're codependent people. So hopefully... Uh, they can listen to this and understand what's going on and maybe take the, their first steps of uh, learning um, who they are. And they're, you know, uh, you know, narcissist comes in our life. Uh, for, there, there's a few instances, you know, where it's a complete surprise to someone and they don't have a maybe a codependency issue or it's like they're taken aback by what's going on. But a lot of the time it's people like us who are empathetic, codependent type people that... Um, get put in these situations and uh part of it is us in a, in in a way and we do have a role um in it you were i mean we're not uh 100% innocent in what goes on yes we've been taken advantage of in a terrible way but um there is this part of us that uh doesn't let it happen but is familiar and is a part of the situation 
Yes. And, um, you know, we all like after it's over, you know, you've done a lot of unpacking of your situ of, of what happened. And as you said, um, it's, you're, you're now becoming a, a your, yourself. Like it took this terrible thing, but in this terrible thing uh, that's happened, you're now becoming you for the first time. Yes. And that's I, it. Yeah. And I think that for everyone out there who's listening to this episode, um, and listening to Anna, that maybe, you know, whatever's terrible has happened and you're dwelling on it and still living in it, um, take, try and take this opportunity to uh, unpack and, and become uh, uh, the best person and, and, the, and a, a great person that you didn't even know you were. Yes, yes. That's, that's the most beautiful part of the whole process, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the actual goal, I think. So... To be- Live healthy lives and be able to have healthy relationships finally. Yes. So uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And uh, for everyone else out there, uh, thank you for listening. And that was Anna and an uh, an incredible story, uh, the way she is thriving and the way she's looking at her life uh, in the aftermath of uh, surviving narcissistic abuse. Uh, it's something that we should all, uh, who's, whoever's struggling should take a look at and, and think about, uh, you know, after the trauma bonding has uh, ended and you're, and you're in, in that part of the aftermath of everything to really look at your life and see how you can benefit, uh, going forward and how this is, might be a learning experience to become the person that you always wanted to be. Uh, that you were not able to be before. So really interesting learning experience. I learned a lot, you know, it's stuff that I've uh, been dealing with and uh, stuff that I know I should hammer home more. I should go to more uh, codependence and anonymous uh, meetings. So thank you to uh, Anna once again for being on the show and for everyone listening. um, If you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, please do subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Giving us five-star ratings and reviews also helps us a lot. Helps us move up charts so more people listen, so more people learn. And my voice is kind of cracking a little bit there, but uh, that's it for this episode. And uh, next episode is going to be one of our fun ones. We're going to be doing a special one, uh, Narcissists in TV. We're going to be discussing... Ross Geller from Friends, and I can't wait for that one because I think he's despicable. Not despicable. I just think he's a narcissist, a covert one. And we're going to break it down. I'm going to have a guest on the show, my old friend Melissa, who's been on this podcast a few times before. Uh, She'll be talking with me. Uh, We're going to be breaking it down. It's going to be fun. We're going to have some pretty good banter, and uh, we're going to see where she is in her life at the moment and that's it so thank you for listening have a great week this is an emergency broadcast transmission this is not a test this is an emergency broadcast transmission this is not a test 